Hi, I'm Owen from Bite Size Irish Gaelic, and welcome to episode 29, Iver a Fihine, of the Bite Size Irish Gaelic podcast. Even if you're alone learning to speak Irish outside of Ireland, don't despair. Rest assured that there are thousands like you across the globe, all interested in tapping into Ireland's native culture. And for all about this podcast, go to bitesizeirishgaelic.com forward slash podcast. And today I'm joined by Liam McQuinnigoyne from Idiscoil. Liam, can I say talk to you? Hey, talk to you. Tatu Husi a year into doing all no Tiochana no Kadis. Doing all. Okay. Shinra the Yarnto. So on a cert region file a Tiochana and Ishane last dig to doing all no uncert and Shan Hedge de Kondigan all Chirkonal Achen Konde Omlan to in a show in a gash fashion next camp to Ella. So we Chirkonal fear Marchidja wind and Kondi. Mm, was one part of the county, but there are other parts subsumed into the county, for example, Inishowen and other areas. So where I am is actually called Chirboinia, B-O-G-H-A-I-N-E. Mm. So there are various regions. So um, County Donegal is a whole region. So we, we use Dunangal, the fort of the foreigner, the castle mm. of the stranger. So, uh, Liam, you were brought up in Donegal, weren't you? I was born and raised in Glen Colum Kill, Glen Colum Killia, southwest Donegal. It's um, about 25 miles west of Donegal town and 160 miles from Dublin, mm. or 220 kilometres. It's um, a region that's very well known internationally because... Um, there were various uh, efforts made in the community to try to stem immigration and to have the community um, sustain itself, tourism and employment and using local um, indigenous resources. So Glen Columkill is, even though it's named after Columkill, and even though it has been settled for 5,000 years, uh, it's a, a vibrant community in southwest Donegal. Oh, excellent. And so I, I mentioned quickly Idiscoil, which I'll spell that out in the show notes. So what is Idiscoil? And Liam, I think you founded it some years ago. Yeah, well, Idiscoil, well, for starters, I'm a, I was a teacher, a primary teacher. I was born and raised in this community and I spent over 20 years as a teacher in the inner city of Dublin. But while I was in Dublin, I attended the university there doing, doing some study. And I met with a gentleman, a lecturer there called Joe Watson. And Joe, even though he was from North Belfast, from the New Lodge area, and of a Presbyterian background, he was very interested in the survival of the Irish language in small Gelted communities. Mm-hmm. So probably your listeners are familiar with what the Gelted is, it's a unique region linguistically and culturally, but it has disadvantages and they're just spread all over along the west coast of Ireland in particular. And Glanachalm Kilia, where we are, is one of the more um, remote parts of that Gelted. And Joe had an interest in seeing if the language could be kept alive, to put it bluntly, in this area. And I, as a native Irish speaker from the area, had the same uh, interest. So one of the things we decided to do was to set up an Irish language course for adults, going back as far as 1984, because Mm -hmm. we had expertise 
in teaching the language and I had expertise in the adult teaching of the language. So we started 30 years ago. And uh, since then, we've built our own purpose-built language learning centre and we attract adult students from Ireland and from all over the world to study the language. <laughs> and uh, let's just put it this way. If somebody is listening to this podcast and they've picked up Irish, the language, maybe over the last couple of years and they're dabbling in it and they find themselves getting deeper and deeper into it, well, uh, there's a possible trip in your future <laughs> to Donegal. Um, there's a couple of people, like some friends of the show, Audrey Nickel, for example, who lives in Santa Cruz, California. She's been over to Liam, I think, for several times over a couple of years and she's been involved with Bite Size Irish Gaelic along the way helping us design lessons and then uh, this year uh, Pat Hagen from uh, Florida he stayed with us he's a, a member of the Bite Size Irish Gaelic uh, online program and him and his daughter uh, they stayed with us a couple of nights and then they went up to Idiscail um, he said, Liam, that it's it's a tough old week or two. It's <laughs> it's intensive learning. What, well, it, what, what do you think? It depends if, if people can make it tough if they don't go to bed in time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, we have a formula, we have a system, and the system is um, you know based on it's a psychological, I guess, approach, a, a group dynamic approach where people come as individuals driven by trying to improve their spoken Irish, even if they're from basic beginner to very advanced. But what happens is they come into an environment where an environment that we create, which is um, classes, um, getting along with other people, getting to know other people, experiencing the living culture and the dance and the music and the song. Um, heading to the pub at night to some traditional music and some dancing. So <laughs> it's a package. And even though people come in a course, a lot of people are pleasantly surprised that they say that they had the best holiday they ever had as well. So this is, uh, we try to get people into a frame of mind by after they arrive on Saturday evening, by Tuesday afternoon, Tuesday evening, that they're having such a good time that they're prepared to use a language without making, uh, being afraid of making mistakes. And I mean, that's the whole principle that's involved here. We know you can't learn a language unless you're prepared to have a go at it. And we encourage people to have a go at it without being aware that they're making a, a you know, a mess of the genitive case or something like that. And um, that's that's the way we go. Yeah, because it's. Um... I've heard this from a lot of people, like because we're we're speaking with people who, a lot of them are learning Irish alone, and they might be feel like they're struggling. And then, um, one person told me even this summer that they went to Ireland, they had done all their study, and then they couldn't uh, bring themselves to kind of put themselves out there. So they didn't use any Irish. They were basically uh, too afraid of it or, or too scared of it. So Liam, like for people who maybe, let's say, they ha they're not yet uh, planning to go to Idiscoil, but they've learned a little, right? And they're going to visit Ireland for the first or second time. Would you have any tips for them on how they might use a little bit of their Irish language? Yeah, I mean, look, this is this is a human problem. It's not a problem that's particular to people from outside of Ireland or inside of Ireland. I mean, Definitely. more... 
more people from inside of Ireland that went through the education school system for 12 years. Very often when they, when they, when we speak to them in a very friendly way, I'm in a way trying to assess their level of, of, of spoken Irish, they, they kind of panic and they get all uh, stressed out. It's just one of those things. People don't want to be seen to show a weakness. And uh, what we do is, um, and uh, I'm off to San Francisco, for example, next week um, to, to teach there. Excellent, uh, and we yeah. send our teachers all around the world. And I know you've supported the San Francisco weekend with um, uh, Nikki and so on. Yeah. That, uh, we, we send people out all over the world. We have a lady going, for example, to Ulu. Uh, you know where Ulu oh, in is? Finland, right? I've been oh, there. Yeah, very good. <laughs> um, in Finland, the week after next. And what happens is that people that are learning on their own, be it in the middle of Idaho, Ohio, Utah, Wisconsin, or wherever it may be, or in Australia, or Japan, or wherever, they for attend an Irish language weekend if there's one available. So mm-hmm. Dr. the Gaelic, as you probably know, organize a series of excellent weekends along the East Coast of America. There are weekends in Madison, Wisconsin, and San Francisco, and Olympia, Washington State, everywhere, and in other parts of Europe. So if you can at all attend an Irish language weekend, and that does two things. It puts you in touch with the language on an ongoing, continuous basis for the weekend. But more importantly, it makes, helps you to meet others of like mind. And once you get to know others that are involved in the same pursuit and the same mission, then it becomes a lot easier because people give confidence to each other, support each other, get involved in Skype groups, uh, you know, communicate on the phone, on the Internet and become aware of other resources that are available in Ireland and all over the world to help learners. Mm, I love that advice. That's an excellent name. Uh, in a previous podcast, uh, Deneen Grow in Madison, Wisconsin, she was speaking uh, on the podcast and her uh, nice catchphrase, I liked it, was like, start something. So like, it, um, you're saying attend uh, an immersion weekend or even just a class, I guess. Um, if you can find one locally and I can already hear people responding and saying oh there's no there's no uh, no weekend around me or yeah. it's six hours away yeah. well what you could do before that is start something like put up a notice in the local pub or uh, put something out on Craigslist if you're in the US and just reach out to people and then there's always like Facebook or Skype like you mentioned right Liam well uh- my response to that is, yes, yeah. people living far away from where there are weekends and classes, there's no doubt about that. And people can get involved in Skype groups and then get Skype buddies and stuff. Now, they have to be cautious there because you have to make sure that you know who that's the person that you're relating with on Skype, um, you know, is known to other people or, you know, have come with a pretty good reference. But the, the second thing is we send teachers everywhere abroad over the years i i approach people and i say if you want to set up a weekend in dallas texas or if you want to set up a weekend in portland oregon if you want to set up a weekend in glasgow even wherever uh, we will support you we will send teachers there but we will help you organize it in such a way that when you promote it especially along with music and song or dance i have yet to fail people will 
when they set about setting up a weekend in Phoenix, Arizona, wherever it may be, there's people of sufficient interest there to come along. They will happy, be happy to pay the fee, and that normally pays for the travel and for the, the course fee for the teacher. So th this is a way, for example, one of the most successful and the one I like best, I have to say, is the one in San Francisco the weekend after next. It's fantastic. Um, 60 people will come together for the weekend. They all pay a reasonable fee. It covers their meals. It covers the teacher's fees. It covers teacher's accommodation. And the weekend is a blast. And everybody enjoys it and people keep coming back to it. I've said it before and I'll say it again. I will have to attend the San Francisco ah. weekend sometime. <laughs> mm. Just for the crack. <laughs> uh, Liam, uh, we'll, we can jump back into that. Um, I'm going to jump all the way back to, you mentioned Glenn Cullum Killer, Glenn Cullum Killer. Um, and you mentioned Cullum Killer himself. So do you have any background on who that man was? I do indeed. I spent my <laughs> life battling his corner. Uh, <laughs> Colin Kittle, or the dove of the church. Your listeners would know C-O-L-M, the Irish word for a dove, and Killa, C-I-L-L-E, comes from Chela Church, Colum Killa, the dove of the church. He was born in Garton in County Donegal, which is about 10 miles outside Letterkenny. And um, I, I, he got into a lot of trouble as a young fella, as people do. But he set up his main monastery in Derry, and, uh, which is, we call Dira Cholam Kilia. He set up monasteries and settlements in many other parts of Ireland. But one of his best known, we claim, is Glan Cholam Kilia because it's one of the few that bears its full name. In Glan Cholam Kilia, we have a tourist Cholam Kilia, a pilgrimage, credited to St. Columba or Colum Kill, who uh, people walk on the 9th of June barefoot. It's a three-hour pilgrimage. Mm. So there are lots of stories, uh, songs, music connected with Colum Kill in, in, in County Donegal. And it, it, it has another very, he has a very important um, string to his bow and that he went to Iona and set up a well-known monastery there, which became the origin of the Book of Kells. So Colum Kill is a major figure in Donegal. Mm, Well-respected hero. <laughs> he caused trouble, I must say. I mean, he was involved in a number of battles and so on and so forth, but he was um, uh, a pretty formidable person. Mm, and do you have any kind of idea what kind of year he lived in? 497. Around the, he, he lived around uh, the 5th century and the 6th century. Oh, yeah. yeah. Excellent. Now, a lot you know, claim that Colin Kill may not have been in a particular area because they're what we call in these situations the cult or the following of a particular saint or 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 or, or prominent person. So the cult of Colum Kill may have been responsible, for example, going to swords Colum Killa or the monasteries that you would find um around the rest of Ireland associated with Colum Kill. But um we're fairly sure that he, he was in Glan Colum Kilia and they're visible and mythological and place name evidence to indicate that. Mm, excellent. So you mentioned, Liam, that uh, your courses are kind of a mix. So I get the impression that uh, people can attend not even language courses, but you run kind of cultural courses. Is that right? 
Well, going back to your issue about um, people being a bit nervous to use the language that they have, yeah. that's a particular problem to Irish people. And what we decided to do away close to the beginning was that um, we discovered that there were people out there who were happy to dip their toe in the water without going into a full immersion language course. And we've built that up over the years. So we have two types of people. We, we developed um, parallel cultural activity courses. So every week for June, July and August and Easter, we have an Irish language course at several levels, always an absolute beginner, always an intermediate, always an advanced, but most of, more, more often than not, we have five, six, seven levels of language. But running alongside that is a parallel cultural activity course that could be hill walking, it could be weaving, it could be painting, it could be learning the whistle or the harp, or you know, a variety of cultural activities or pursuits. What happens there is those courses attract people that are already Irish speakers and want to have a holiday in the Irish language. Mm -hmm. And it also um, attracts people who have an interest in the language, but are not yet ready, they feel, to go into a class. And what happens is, and the psychology approach works really, <laughs> uh, what happens is they enjoy the course so much, they observe what's happening in the Irish language groups, they see that it's a, a great time, a great holiday, and usually they come back for a language course. <laughs> and I'm sure that there are people who just keep coming back year after the year, is that right? Well, we have a, a good record in that. We have about 40% of our participants every year. We had about 900 to 1,000 participants this summer right. and about 40% return, not necessarily from last year. We have people um, every year that might have been here 20 years ago. There are people mm. that might be here 10 years ago. There are family members whose parents may have been here and they feel duly obliged to follow uh, the pattern. So, you know, people could misread this and say, well, if they keep coming back, maybe they're not learning much when they come first. Uh, I want to kind of kick that one down. What happens really is that people get attached to the area. The area is um, alongside, it's on the Atlantic Ocean. It's uh, beside the beaches, beside Slave Lake, which is one of the highest sea cliffs in Europe. So it's a very beautiful, attractive area. And uh, people become connected with the area, get to know the local people, and they want to come back. And they, they know what, what to expect. So um, they, they come, keep coming back to us, thankfully. Mm, excellent. Liam, uh, you come across all types of like different uh, learners of different levels, different approaches and different success levels right over time so I I do speak with a lot of people who come to us with objections so there might be one uh, one we often hear and, and I'm not belittling these objections but one is for example dialects and I yeah. can't begin to learn because there are three dialects and I don't know what to learn which one to choose and things like that so my question name for you is what do you think um, are the traits of the most successful learners over the long term that you've come across? How would you describe a person when you look back, they've been learning Irish for 10 years, they've actually like latched on to a bit of the language. How would you describe them? Um, when we meet people on the Saturday evening and even before they come, the issue of dialect is becoming, uh, I dare say, maybe more of an issue. 
because uh, as more more language, more people are attracted towards the language, you have more people, you know, asking that question. And I, I have a, what I call a deprogramming session in that I go through, uh, you know, everybody knows in the United States, for America, for example, when you go from Boston to Savannah, Georgia, you have to learn a little bit of Southern speak. When you're going to uh, West Belfast from South Kerry, you know, the dialects are very, very different in English. So dialect is uh, differences and dialect part of the, of the riches of a language. That's step number one. So people have to accept that uh, the basic greetings, their basic vocabulary that are particular to particular dialects. So they, they've got to become familiar with those. But I always tell people, make one of them your own. So if somebody comes in to just scale and they say to me, Liam, kin chi a will to? I say, Tommy Gamai, come as tatu, kin chi a will to fein. Oh, we have to be inclusive as regards dialects. And with the beginners levels, absolute beginner and improvers, the teachers that we employ, the instructions I give them with regard to the dialect is, number one, if, if the learner has adopted one particular phrase or form of dialect, then we're not about un changing that or correcting that. We're about continuing with that. And the second thing that the teacher has to be very clear in, in his or her own speech and, you know, use fairly um standardized form of the language especially in the early levels and what happened then is that people make a choice as regards the dialect road they go it may to do with the teacher they have back home may be to do with where the people came from in, in, in several generations past people make decisions for many reasons but the last thing i would say is um the people the people that learn best i find are people that are prepared to make mistakes, use it and abuse it and be happy to be corrected and just work at it and enjoy it. And if possible, uh, participate in some in programs like your own and tune in to Irish language songs and music and mm. the Elton and TG Carr. TG Carr, the television which broadcasts online amongst other places. Excellent, yeah, and Radio Nagrantachta, we have to mention that too. And Radio Fresh, uh, Owen, I, mm. I, I, I want to pay particular attention to that one. We get a lot of learners who have actually tuned in online to Radio Falcha in, in, in Belfast. And I ask myself often why, and I, I think it's because Radio Fresh or Radio Falcha are broadcasting themselves to an Irish language learning community in Belfast, and that maybe their presenters are more attuned to that kind of audience, and therefore the, the learners out around the world uh, seem to benefit greatly from that. Uh, I'm not sure, but I think that's the reason. Mm, very interesting. Liam, uh, one thing that's kind of niggling at me, just while we're on dialects, that uh, TG Kehr, the, the TV station, you it, it's based in uh, Connemara. And I get the impression that uh, we get a lot of exposure to the Connemara accent and dialect. And do you think that could have a long-term effect in maybe um, getting that dialect, I don't know how to put it, like making it stronger or almost being the default uh, dialect of a new learner. What do you think? I, I think it's an excellent point of discussion. And um, 
we and and, and Kuga Ulla are in the province of Ulster. We were kind of hammered over the years as being a dialect that was uh, difficult to understand. And the reason for that was was its lack of prominence in media and in, in written and print media, simply because our third level institution that had that language as a dialect as its dominant language, the Queen's University of Belfast, wasn't part of the structure in the South. But um, I think that um, things are levelling off now. And I mean, look, it, it's going to be a constant issue. There's no doubt about that. And the fact is, that Connemara's got the largest Gelta, it's got the largest number of Irish language speakers, it's got a university that was a very strong Irish language department that is using that particular dialect. But I have to say, um, within the university in Galway itself, some of its professors and lecturers are from the Ulster dialect and the Munster dialect. And there's even a Dublin dialect emerging, I'm convinced of that. There was one years ago, and I think mm-hmm. there's a Dublin dialect coming back that's based around the Gale School and then there's language education primary school system around Dublin and Leinster. And uh, would you look down upon this type of Irish name? Go urban with Irish. Of course I wouldn't. Not at all. <laughs> I mean, I, I was teaching the inner city of Dublin and I had the privilege of having a gentleman called, a historian called Eamon McCumash, mm-hmm. who was a well-known Dublin historian from the Liberties came into my school every year to tell the children about Kevin Barry and about uh, uh, all, all the leaders of 1916 and all that in Dublin. And his Dublin Irish was a, a pleasure to listen to. So uh, we've got the Dublin dialect and or Leinster dialect. We've got the Munster dialect. We've got the Connacht dialect. And by hell, we have the Ulster dialect as well. <laughs> Excellent, I love it. Um, Liam, the, another uh, related topic is um, urban Irish. Um, it, it's doing great in Belfast that you're mentioning. And then there's, it's kind of a, a, an, a, a common thread. Maybe it's, it's brought uh, to prominence too much. Kind of the demise of the traditional Gaeltacht because of uh, dwindling populations a uh, mixture of cultures, the dominance of English. What do you think is the medium term, I mean, decades into the future, um, the future of the, the traditional Gaeltacht where there's a community um, of Irish speakers? What do you think? Well, my prognosis, I'm afraid to say, is negative. Mm-hmm. In that uh, we have 100,000 people living in the Gelted communities from Waterford, Cork, Kerry, Mayo, Galliaf, Dunangal, County Nami. 100,000 people and 22,000, 25,000 people claim to speak the language on a regular daily basis. The problem is that that large number of daily Irish speakers are dispersed all around the Gelted communities. So we have a declining Gelted community, and that is. Um, serious business for the language because once that um, bed of tradition and of riches of the language uh, start to decline and erode more, uh, it's going to be a major issue for the sustainability of the language in general. Now, the number of speakers growing outside of the Gelton and Belfast and Carrollock and Limnock and Dublin and so on, it's huge, but it's more of a network. People speak 
the language mm -hmm. to each other when they meet each other at the Gale Skull, when they meet each other at functions, when they meet each other in the cultural and at Belfast. Very often, a lot of those people just head out back home and they might have an English-speaking partner or they may not have Irish-speaking neighbours or whatever. So it, letting the Gelta go is, is uh, my major issue, I must say, in the whole language thing. And that's why it takes sustenance from the fact that so many people are learning the language internationally, because many of them are visiting and coming to the Geltacht as adult learners, be it to Corcovinia or Connemara or Glanchonamkelia or wherever. And that is giving us motivation and sustenance. And it's making the people in our communities that are tempted to let the language go. I think it's given them um, fodder for rethinking what's happening. Mm. Well, uh, the the good side of that, uh, the only good side of that I can say is um, the, the attitude of the Irish public where there's certainly a lot of apathy and still negativity if you if you dig into it. But I think people are more open to perhaps holding on to the richness of the culture in these areas, everything that the language and everything else encompasses in these areas where you live, which you're a part of. And, uh, you know, that's where political will comes from in the end, isn't it, it when is there's too, enough people? It is too, on, but I would nearly give a, a prize of a of 100 euros or more to someone out there that's listening to us that could give me a succinct, clear, short explanation as to why I or somebody else can walk into a shop in the Geltot area, be it in Connemara, Donegal, Kerry or elsewhere, and say Gurumayagat or speak in Irish to somebody behind the counter. And they just look at you and they say, thank you, without even considering giving you a response in Irish. This mm -hmm. happens. It's a very difficult one to figure out. But thankfully, there are more people that are prepared to use the language than there are people that are not prepared to use the language. So I think we're still winning. Well, fair play to you, Liam. Um, uh, for people listening today, uh, this gives you purpose uh, to keep on your journey. And it's probably a lifetime journey of learning the Irish language and reaching out, like Liam was saying, to other learners and speakers wherever you're based. So you're part of this very important movement, which um, is really the essence of Irish culture. So Liam, my last question for you, just about Edith Grail itself. At what point do you think somebody should consider um, traveling, for example, from the States all the way to Dúnagall, Donegal, and maybe attending one of your courses. Should, is it an absolute beginner or after a couple of years of learning the language or what you think? What do you think? We, we get every we get everybody. Uh, we have people this year from Singapore, from from Moscow, from uh, you, you name it. People come to us as absolute beginners or improvers. I, I, I always advise people to participate in programs like your own or others where they get familiar at least with the sounds of the language and the music of the language and that their ear is tuned into it before they would, you know, take on an, a course. But mm -hmm. if you're ready and uh, your ear is tuned into it, you've listened to some songs and music and some simple courses, then I think, you know, you can benefit from a, having a good foundation at a beginner level. Well, lovely. I, I hope um, this gives um, somebody, uh, at least uh, some people who are listening to this, 
little bit of motivation and consider attending the excellent Idiskail. Um, so Liam, I think we'll leave it at that. And I have to say, Gramile Mahagut, thanks so much for taking the time to share your principles and the state of Irish and uh, the background of your local region in Donegal. So thank you. I own Tauber, Inta, Kashir, Lagafane. Great work going. Gramile Mahagut. Asher Gramile Mahagut, Liam. So just to finish up, we'll say to leave a comment um, on this episode because you might have an opinion on what we've been talking about here. So go to bitesizeirishgaelic.com forward slash podcast and go to episode 29. Uh, if you're loving the show, uh, you could always leave us a five-star review on iTunes and you can, if you're not already subscribed through iTunes, subscribe there and you'll get the next episode automatically. Uh, you can send listener questions directly to us at podcast at bitesizeirishgaelic.com. And just finally, thanks to Tsukumo for their music, which you hear on this episode under a Creative Commons license. Until the next episode, Slán Gafoil. Bye for now.